You're listening to the Golden Edge Podcast, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Here's your host, Ben Goetz. I'd like to thank Max and Dylan for their contributions uh, to our organization. I think in the case of Dylan, he's going to get opportunity in Carolina that he uh, perhaps might not have received here. And I think in the case of Max, a real solid contributor to our organization for uh, four seasons, elite goal scorer that I know is going to do uh, really well. Uh, in Carolina, we wish both players uh, the very best. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I am Ben Goats, one of your Golden Knights beat writers, uh, joined once again by my LVRJ colleague, Matt Atencio. Uh, Matt? How's it going? It's going, it's going, uh, it's going good today. Free agency uh, frenzy was in full effect yesterday, and that was uh, some interesting moves made yesterday, weren't there? Oh my gosh, there's so much happening. All of the hockey is going on. You heard General Manager Kelly McCrimmon off the top discussing a very significant move that the Knights made yesterday, and it was one of several uh, that they've executed in the last two days. So we're going to get into uh, all of that. Uh, on this episode there's so much to break down get into and discuss how it affects the outlook for next season but before we do all that just a reminder that the golden edge podcast is sponsored by station casinos stn sports we are presented by the las vegas review journal and blue wire Uh, also please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com in addition to free agency the knights have had their development camp this week so if you want to read about their prospects head on over to the website Uh, and of course if you guys could rate review subscribe whatever you do podcast please do this one we would very much appreciate it. So, yes, you heard the clip from Knights General Manager Jelly Mc- Kelly McCrimmon at the beginning there. The biggest news we have to discuss is the Knights trading uh, left wing Max Pacioretty and defenseman Dylan Coughlin to the Carolina Hurricanes for future considerations. Uh, Matt, do you know what future considerations are? It is a fancy legal contract way in the NHL of saying absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, so uh, it's, this is actually a crazy, very specific rule in the NHL where what you can uh, trade a uh, player to another team um, for nothing in return. That's future considerations. But I believe when there's like more cap uh, machinations involved, uh, you have to like actually send something back, which is why... And we'll talk about this a little bit later. The Marc Andre Fleury trade, I believe, a player like actually had to be included in that trade, or uh, there was the time where the Knights rerouted Matthias Yanmark's contracts to the San Jose Sharks, I believe, and had to take back mm-hmm. a player that never played for the organization. It's all very complicated, but yes, uh, future considerations are coming back uh, for the Knights for one of the uh, premier goal scorers in the NHL and a young homegrown defenseman in Dylan Coughlin. The move does clear up about $7.76 million of cap space uh, for the team. Um, And as I kind of mentioned there with the flurry thing, it also continues a pattern of this team getting itself into cap trouble and having to take kind of a painful route to get itself out. Um, A brief history of the Knights kind of history of similar transactions for those that don't remember. Uh, This team has also traded Paul Stasny for Carl Dahlstrom in a fourth round pick. Uh, I believe Dahlstrom never played an NHL game. For the Knights, played a lot in Henderson as a defenseman. Uh, They traded Nate Schmidt for a third-round pick to Vancouver. Uh, Fleury, when he was the reigning Vezina Trophy winner last season, they traded for minor league forward Mikhail Hakarainen, who never played a game for the organization. Uh, And earlier this summer, uh, the Knights traded Evgeny Dodonov uh, just for the long-term injured reserve contract of defenseman Shea Weber uh, one year after they gave up Nick Holden and a third-round pick to get Dodonov 
on the team. Uh, Matt, in that lovely context, what are your thoughts uh, on this trade and how it kind of represents how the Knights have been operating the last couple seasons? Well, Ben, before I before I go into the trade itself and everything, I just want to say real quick, this is why I don't make predictions. I remember vividly last week me saying that I didn't think they would do this. Sure enough, what happens? Yep, they go through with it. But anyway, let's uh, let's go ahead and start with the trade that itself. And I know there's fans out there that are angry about this, and they absolutely have the right to be. And I I understand that, and I'm going to get to how I feel about it in a minute. But what I do I do want to kind of try to play a little bit of devil's devil's advocate here, just to start off. And when you look at the trade, purely on paper, purely on numbers not include the player or anything. It makes total sense. It's a $7 million contract of a guy that's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. Probably isn't going to be willing to sign for half of what he's making right now, so you might as well move him now while you have the chance. But when you take the player that it is, and it's a perennial 30 goal scorer, the best goal scorer on the team, and arguably one of the best forwards on the team, and a usable, if maybe won't play unless there's injuries, depth defenseman player traded away for absolutely nothing. The the trade stinks and there's no way to look at it. And congratulations, Montreal fans that you have officially won the Max Pacioretty for Nick Suzuki trade. Yes. That of course happened uh, before the night's second season where to get packed Pacioretty, they gave up Tomas Tatar, uh, Nick Suzuki, you know, their second first round pick in team history and a second round pick uh, to bring in Pacioretty. Yeah, it's been a weird journey because I think Knights fans have kind of debated that trade for a while because, of course, Suzuki has turned out to be a really good top six center. But Pacioretty, uh, when he's been healthy for the Knights, has been absolutely excellent. Uh, he's played at a 36-goal pace over the 82-game season throughout his Knights tenure. He was on pace for about 40 goals uh, last season. He just only played half the year because he had various uh, injuries, including a broken foot. Uh, he had wrist surgery, um, and there was another one that I'm forgetting that he happened throughout the course of the year. But when he's been on the ice, he's been incredibly productive uh, for the Knights. And obviously, I think one of the main questions coming out of this is how do the Knights replace that? Because he had 19 goals last year. He was fourth on the team. Evgeny Donov had 20 goals uh, last season. He was third on the team. So you're taking goal scorers number three and four off this roster for a team that, you know, I think already had at least some level of offensive questions uh, going in. So... You know, what's your level of concern without Pacioretty, without Donoff, uh, about this team's kind of goal scoring capabilities heading into next year? You know, it's it's pretty high. If I'm being quite honest, you can't take a 30 goal scorer off the roster and expect there to not be any sort of problems. The other thing I think you're doing, too, when you do that is you're putting a lot of pressure on guys like Jonathan Marcheseau and Jack Eichel and even Mark Stone to that essence. And again, I could be wrong on the numbers here, but you got to at least out of at least two of those three guys be expecting 25, 30, maybe even 35 goals out of one or two of them. And then you're going to have to look down the lineup for guys that are also in the top six. Chandler Stevenson at least seems like he probably could slot in there. Uh, Riley Smith again, and then William Carlson to get to around 20 goals again. And for some of the guys that have struggled, particularly Carlson, that might be something that's going to come back to bite them. Yeah, there's a lot of, I think, pressure now on William Carlson's shoulders. Definitely not to be a 40-goal scorer again, but as you mentioned, no. he's got to be a 20-goal scorer Easily. Uh, next season or else you're really starting to have offensive questions. It was interesting to hear kind of McCrimmon talk about that today and kind of you know explain that he expects it to be kind of a by-committee approach in terms of how you replace 
that production, whether it's a Nick Waugh taking another step uh, next year, getting more out of Michael Amadio, maybe Brendan Brisson, who's at development camp right now, comes into the NHL and is able to score some goals um, at some point. And then I think a big thing that the Knights are hoping comes through for them more next year and gives them more goals is the power play, which, of course, has been a sore spot for the last couple of years. And that's been a big source of missing offense on this team so i think there's at least some hope especially with coach bruce Casty coming in who has coached a lot of very good power plays the last couple of years uh that the knights can balance out that production through a, a myriad of different ways um but it there's no question to me when you kind of line this team up now and as you said maybe stevenson slots into that first line left wing role in place of patcheretti even though he's played a lot of center because uh jack eichel said at a season ending media availability that like he likes playing with him but still, right now, you're looking at the depth chart and you're looking at maybe Stevenson, Eichel Stone, you know, obviously Marsh, so Carlson Smith. We'll see whether Bruce Cassie wants to keep those lines together. Um, that's your top six. And then your bottom six is, of course, you know, a lot of guys like Keegan Colasar, Nick Waugh, uh, William Carrier, Brett Howden, who's back, who we'll, we'll get into, Michael Amadio. Um, you know, the top six looks obviously less fearsome than it did a day ago with Patch already gone. And now, because, of course, you lost Alex Tuck in the Eichel deal, it's not exactly like a fearsome bottom six either. So this team that I think made back-to-back uh, conference finals runs when they had Pete DeBoer in charge because they were able to roll four lines uh, and do so to a degree that a lot of other teams, even other playoff teams, could not do. You know, just on paper, it does not seem like that same kind of intimidating group that they've had before. Yeah, and you mentioned the Eichel deal, and I kind of want to touch on that a little bit because I, I want to get your thoughts on this too. But at least in my mind, th- this makes the Jack Eichel trade look kind of bad now. Um, and I think everybody kind of knew going into this that it wasn't going to be just Tuck, Krebs, and a first for Eichel. I mean, they couldn't afford him when they got him in the first place, so you knew somebody was going to have to go. But now that it's become Jack Eichel for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, Max Pacioretty, Dylan Coughlin, and a first-round pick, it's a little bit for me to swallow now. Um, listen, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm bad-mouthing Eichel or anything. He's arguably, he's a top-10 center in the league. He's arguably a top-5 center in the league. But when you look at that price that they paid to get him, I, I really can only think of one guy that might be worth that price, and it's not Jack Eichel. Yeah, it's very few guys in the league. Yeah, you're talking about, yeah, McDavid. Yep, maybe Mc- that would be him. Yeah, maybe McKinnon or Dreisaitl. But yeah, it's a lot. And it's just, that's uh, no fault of Eichel because the Knights knew the kind of domino effects that that trade could create uh, when they executed it this last uh, November. They knew it would. they were already kind of in a salary cap bind heading into the season. Adding Eichel's uh, salary put them even more of a salary cap bind. And by playing kind of the long-term injured reserve uh, game throughout last season where as soon as Eichel was ready to play, Stone went on long-term injured reserve, and when Stone was ready to come off, they put like Riley Smith, William Carrier, I think Nick Hag, Laurent Brassois, they put a bunch of guys on LTR and were able to kind of fudge their way through last season and obviously it didn't result in a playoff appearance, but they got through the year. Um, but there's only so obviously long you can prolong that pain until eventually you just got to rip the band-aid off, and that's what we're seeing happen this offseason. Uh, it is yeah, a very, very kind of costly trade when you look at it that way. Um, you know, you can obviously debate whether Pacioretty belongs in that mix. Obviously, I would say either him or Evgeny Dodonov belong to be included in the calculus of the Jack Eichel trade. Of one of those two guys was for sure a cap casualty because you added that extra Eichel salary. Which one you want to say, like I said, up for debate, but you didn't really get anything back 
for either of them. Literally, in the case of Pacioretty and Donoff, you got back this long-term injured reserve contract. Um, and then we can trade this a little bit to say, because the other one, I think either Pacioretty or Dodonoff you view as that was the cost they paid uh, to bring back Riley Smith, which was the other big move that officially happened yesterday. We kind of knew that that would happen, but that became locked in. We talked to actually Riley Smith this morning. He got a three-year extension with the Knights with a $5 million AAV, which is exactly what Dodonoff was making. Pacioretty was making $7 million uh, against the cap. Brett Howden also back on a one-year deal. As I mentioned earlier, he's got a $1.5 million AAV. Uh, Jonas Rombierg, who played quite a bit as a rookie, I think 30 games, uh, back on a three-year deal, barely above kind of the minimum salary. Um, and it leaves them with about $6.5 million in, in cap space still. And they've got three specifically RFAs that they're hoping to sign in Nicholas Waugh, Nick Hag, and Keegan Colasar. Um, and that gives them enough to get all three done. How much of that six and a half million they ultimately use up. We'll kind of determine whether Knights want to go long-term with those guys, short-term, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that is the thing that the Pacioretty deal ultimately allowed them to do. And why they did it is that it created enough flexibility for them to bring back Riley Smith while still having enough room to retain all these kind of young RFAs that they want to keep around uh, their core. Um, you know, does that make it worth it to you? Is that a fair trade-off of Pacioretty, you know, and Coughlin or, you know, Dodonoff to, you know, extend Riley Smith and keep, you know, a lot of kind of the bottom six parts of this lineup together? You know, it's it's tough because, we I mean, we haven't seen the team play on the ice yet, so I don't know really how well you can answer that until they start playing. But, again, losing your two of your four best goal scorers on the team – Hurts and while yes, you're able to re-sign some of the younger players, and yes, you're able to get younger. Uh, a lot of those certain positions, goal scoring doesn't come easy in the NHL, and so nope. I mean, we'll 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 see what happens. Only time's going to tell. I mean, if if I had to give you an answer right now at this particular point, July 14th as we're recording this, I would say you really only needed to get rid of one of those two, and maybe you could have moved a different player instead of Pacioretty to make that deal work too. One of the ones we talked about last week. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Yeah, so the ones we, I think, talked about just to like quick touch on, I think some of the other options that would have been available to the Knights and uh, Kelly McCrimmon did say they looked at other options, but they felt that this was the best route for them to go. Um... You know, and he's, he didn't name specific names, but we obviously can. We have um, a general idea of who exactly. they would be. Exactly. <laughs> uh, would be William Carlson, who, of course, is coming off uh, a pretty tough year. Last year admitted he kind of struggled with his uh, confidence, didn't score as much as he's used to. Um, and then Alec Martinez, who they just actually signed to an extension last offseason, but obviously had a very tough year as well in terms of he had kind of a freak, fluky injury that cost him the majority of his season, um, came back at the end of the year, you know, was kind of working his way back in to get to his usual self, but he signed for another uh, two years at $5.25 million of a cap hit. Uh, William Carlson has five more years at $5.9 million. And I think that would have been a tough contract to move yeah. in a flat cap world, especially, you know, looking that far ahead. But Martinez, you know, I think could have been a fit if they could have found someone to take him. Obviously you don't want to lose Alec Martinez in a vacuum. He's obviously got a lot of, both tangible on ice and intangible off ice qualities that make him worth 
keeping around, but with the defenders that the Knights have, I think you could have made that work and maybe slide Shea Theater over to the left side, move Zach Whitecloud into your top four, and you know you can kind of grin and bear your way through it because you've got some young blue liners on the up and up. This one is tough because the Knights don't necessarily have a Max Pacioretty on the way up. Like Brendan Brisson, um, I think a lot of people think will be a good goal scorer in the NHL, but he's still 20 years old. He still has, I think, a lot to learn. He's only played, uh, let's see, probably eight, 11, eight to 11 professional hockey games. I don't remember how many playoff games the Silver Knights had off the top of my head, but he's still got a lot to learn, a yeah. lot to round out. Um, Kelly McCrimmon had a lot of nice things to say about Brendan Brisson today, but I think it's asking a lot to have a 20-year-old kind of shoulder a major low on a playoff team. Um, so that I think is the the tricky thing about this path for the Knights is that Carlson would have hurt, but the Knights have kind of two top six centers in Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, Martinez would have hurt. The Knights have other kind of good defensemen. There's not really another goal scoring winger to the same level as Max Pacioretty. Yeah. I mean, you could you could throw Marcheseau so in there a little bit just because he's been probably one of their most consistent goal scorers over the last five years or so. You can probably throw Eichel in there because he scored 36 before. But at the same time, they don't have that kind of a goal scorer shot, is I guess the word I'm looking for there, that defense and goaltenders really have to respect. Pacioretty's got one of the best wrist shots in the league, and you can't really say the same about Marcia. So, and you, I don't, I haven't watched enough of Jack Eichel when he was in Buffalo to know if that's the case or not. But either way, I mean, neither of them have the same kind of shot that Pacioretty does. Yeah, so it's going to be really tough for them to replace that kind of you know production just that kind of a weapon that max patch possesses um i wrote a story i think last year when he was nearing the 300 goal mark for his career which is a significant milestone i think he's one of you know 20 odd american players that have ever hit it um they just talked about his release is magic i believe is a quote from the story he's got this just magic release that is just so hard for goaltenders to read and now he's going to be uh parlaying that in Carolina, which uh, incidentally, Hurricanes, great day wow. for the Hurricanes. Oh, yes, it was. They got uh, Max Pacioretty, they got Brent Burns, and they're looking like a, a real threat in the uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, were you as surprised as I was that the Sharks were able to move uh, Brent Burns in the three years left on his deal? Yeah, I, that's, <laughs> I can go into a bunch of depth on that, but yeah, I was really surprised that they were able to move that deal. But it does obviously make the Hurricanes very, very dangerous looking. For next year, you have to think that yeah, Pacioretty's going to fit in just fine there. We will see if he's able um, to stay healthy. Um, a couple of other uh, newsy bits now that the Knights offseason is now going to kind of hit the slow phase. Uh, wouldn't expect a lot of you know other crazy moves potentially happening here. Uh, as I mentioned, they still have uh, Nicholas Waugh, Keegan Colasar, and Nick Hag to sign as restricted free agents. Uh, Wa and Colasar are both arbitration eligible, so that could, you know, drag on for like another month or so as they kind of haggle out what that's going to look like. Uh, Hag is not arbitration eligible, so there's the potential for that to linger, potentially even into training camp, kind of like Shea Theodore did, because Hag is in that exact same situation. Uh, but now that the Knights have cap space and cap flexibility, you would imagine that they're going to be able to work something out uh, depending on what they think the structure of those deals will look like, maybe, maybe the Knights would have you know enough to make another kind of move for the NHL roster. It would not be a significant one because I don't think they're going to have that much wiggle room left mm -hmm. over 
from all those RFAs. Are you, are you expecting anything at this point, or you think this is going to be the group for next year, pretty much? Man, you're going to make me make another prediction, aren't you? <laughs> I try. I mean, like you just said, they, they don't have a ton to work with unless they move another player out, which, again, wouldn't surprise me if they tried to do something like that. But no, I think if they... If they do make another move, it's going to be for a bottom six forward or a depth piece or something like that. I just I don't see how after they re-sign all of their RFAs that they're going to have enough money to go get a significant contribute contribute contributor is the word I'm actually looking for there to the lineup. Yeah, and they're probably going to want to save at least some room for call ups and calls down. So they're maybe not quite as pressed up against the cap on a daily basis as they have been in recent years. So we'll see. Um, you know, Kelly McCrimmon basically said, you know, you're always monitoring the marketing stuff but he's like i think you know our team is basically going to mostly look like this uh moving forward but the interesting things to at least uh note in terms of how you know the team might look once training camp uh rolls around uh brett howden who we mentioned resigned obviously had that very scary crash along the boards in march that ended his season it sounds like he's healthy gonna be ready to go for camp uh mccrimmon said you know, if the Knights had made the playoffs and been a couple weeks into it, Howden probably would have been ready to return. So looks like he's good on that front. Um, Daniil Miramanoff, you know, depth defenseman who played 11 games last year, will not be ready for camp. Uh, he had an offseason surgery. Uh, Mark Stone, uh, Colin McCrimmon said medical reports so far, good on him retur- recovering from back surgery. Um, and then the interesting, I think, kind of update, uh, Robin Leonard and Laurent Brassois. Uh, may or may not be ready for training camp or the start of the regular season. Um, McCrimmon said their timelines will be kind of quote-unquote tight uh, when camp starts. Uh, Leonard, as people probably remember, has had off-season shoulder surgery. Brassois had hip surgery. So obviously the recovery timelines are a little different, but you know specifically with Brassois, McCrimmon said it'd be kind of nip and tuck whether he'd make the opening night roster. So it sounds like that's going to be kind of a photo finish there. And the same might be true for Leonard, where it might not be until partway through training camp that the Knights have a really good idea of whether those guys are going to be able to kind of start the regular season on time. The Knights did add kind of a depth goaltender in Michael Hutchinson, who's played, you know, 150 plus NHL games uh, to kind of help sort that out. Um, Is that, you know, concerning to you at all? Or do you think, you know, Logan Thompson would be able to kind of hold down the fort for the first couple weeks of the season or so until those guys are for yeah. sure ready to come back. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he showed enough at the end of last season that he's at least going to be a serviceable NHL player. It's Listen, it's it's never an ideal situation when your number one goaltender is out, and you saw that last year, but Logan Thompson played well enough to kind of give you faith that he can carry the load for a while. Whether he can do it for a full 82-game season yet, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm there. I don't think we've seen enough of him to know if that's going to if he's going to be able to be a full-time NHL starter but he definitely is if if they have to roll out the season with him I think they'll be okay for a while but yeah they they're going to need to get Leonard back at some point no definitely and I think uh, I think we've talked about it before I think Robin Leonard has a really good chance to kind of improve on last season especially in this Bruce Cassidy system I think it's going to fit him really well but he has to be on the ice to do that yeah. so we'll see you know once training camp rolls around what that timeline might look like. McCrimmon said he's expected to come back to Las Vegas by the end of this month and then kind of continue his rehab with the Knights. And then especially once the team has their own kind of people around him on a daily basis, they'll get a better idea of, you know, how he's progressing and how long he might need to get back to 100% health. Um, The last thing we should touch on is, so uh, I found this interesting because I looked up uh, Stanley Cup winning odds 
odds to win the Stanley Cup would be a better way to phrase that. Uh, you know, for the nights before and after the start of NHL free agency. So on Tuesday, the day before, the Knights were uh, plus 1,400 and the fifth choice to win the Stanley Cup. So they were behind four other teams. They've moved back a spot now. As I checked this morning, they went from plus 1,400 to plus 1,480. And the Hurricanes, ironically, have jumped them. The Hurricanes are now have the fifth lowest odds to win the Stanley Cup. The Knights have the sixth lowest. And the gap between them and seventh place Edmonton has uh, narrowed considerably, where Edmonton's a lot closer behind them in seventh place. The Knights are still the second choice in the Western Conference, where Colorado is the overall uh, Stanley Cup favorite. And then the Knights are the next Western Conference team. Um, but how does this kind of opening gambit of free agency uh, change, hurt, help, uh, switch your kind of mindset in terms of how dangerous this team can be to kind of return to making a deep postseason run again? You know, it doesn't really affect any of the ways that I feel. Um, I, I think that this team is still going to be a, a playoff contender. I think the the Pacific is still kind of wide open. Even though Edmonton got a little got better this offseason or this free agency, rather signing a new goaltender, um, the Kings have been pretty active as well. So, but Calgary losing one of their big guns hurts them quite a bit. So, I think that there's a good chance they'll make the playoffs. As for if they're going to be a Cup contender this year, I just I just don't know yet. Um, and, and as I've always said before, hockey's a weird sport. Um, the the more that we get into the season, I think the more we'll get kind of a better idea what the case will be but if if you had to ask me right now whether i think they're going to be cup contenders i would probably still say yes but just barely because they still have some really good pieces on the roster it's a matter of how they're going to gel together and that could change everything it's really going to come down to i think you're like they're putting a lot it feels like to me on uh bruce cassidy to clean up a lot of their issues uh from last season they were not good on special teams no. they're counting a lot it seems like on Cassidy to flip that around to have his defense you know make them competitive game in and game out especially because now they're probably not going to be scoring as much as they have in past years so it really does seem like this new coach is on immediate pressure um, because it's going to be a lot of his handiwork in keeping this team you know in contention if the Knights are indeed able to do that uh, next year but I do think as you kind of alluded to there the one thing that I think can be viewed as a positive for the Knights and kind of keeping this uh, them in it, is their division still does not particularly look uh, frightening right now. Uh, obviously, yesterday, the big news was that Johnny Gaudreau not only left Calgary, but signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets. For which... like 15 to 20 million less than he could have gotten in yeah, Calgary. Like, he really? really did not like uh, Calgary. He's just a good old American boy who likes the United yeah, States, apparently. I... So I don't know how you turn down 15 or 20 million dollars, whatever the number ended up being. I know it was somewhere between there, but either way, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of money to turn down. It's a lot of money to turn down. He wanted to be closer to home, I guess. I know he uh, and his wife are expecting their first child. Congrats to the Gaudreaux. Um, so I guess he just wanted to be closer to home. But so that's a significant piece moving in the Pacific Division. We're now, you know, the reigning division champions just lost their leading scorer and a guy who uh, was on my heart trophy ballot, I believe. I think he was fourth. Um, so we'll see what happens the rest of this offseason now with Calgary. They still have to sign Matthew Kachuk, another part of their top line. Um, I do think, as you said, Edmonton's actually had a nice couple days of free agency so far. Brought back Evander uh, Kane, who, if he can stay out of trouble, uh, was a very good on-ice bit there. Uh, brought back defenseman Brett Kulak. Uh, they signed goaltender Jack Campbell, who I'm interested to see. I'm not 100% sure that's going to work out, but I, they needed to have someone 
in net. So why not Jack Campbell? So we'll see how that works out. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I think the Kings got a lot better adding Kevin Fiala, but that was kind of their one move so far this offseason. Vancouver, I think, is not necessarily trying to go all out for next year. Seattle still seems like it needs a lot of work. San mm-hmm. Jose just dumped Brent Burns. Anaheim's not ready. You know, so all that being said, it's, you know, it's not like it's going to be the craziest division to, you know, compete for the title in, which the Knights are certainly capable of doing. And then once you get to the playoffs, you just have to, you know, basically get out of your division and then you're in potentially the Western Conference final. So I think that is still kind of uh, a ray of hope for the Golden Knights. But um, we talked, obviously, you know, a couple weeks ago about uh, Colorado and how close the Knights are to them. Uh, based on how these first couple days of free agency uh, have gone, I wouldn't exactly say the Knights are closing the gap here on the Avalanche. No, I would I would agree with that. But the 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 Avalanche did lose quite a bit, um, and there I, I know that there's thoughts that Kadri might stick around there, but he's gonna he's gonna get paid somewhere. Somebody's gonna throw some money at him based on the season he had this year. So, but yeah, you're right. They're they're not particularly close to Colorado. I think they're closer to some of the other teams, maybe a little bit in the central, but Colorado's not one of them. Yeah. And Colorado obviously is a really high bar uh, to clear as they go for back to back Stanley cups. They've re-signed Valeri Nichushkin, uh, Josh Manson on their blue line. Uh, they let Darcy Kemper walk in free agency, but traded for uh, Alexander Georgiev from the New York Rangers to help them out. And net, as you said, we'll see what happens. Oh, with Nazem Kadri, they lost Andre Burakovsky to uh, the Seattle Kraken. What the Kraken are doing, who who is to say? Uh, but they're doing stuff, so that's good for them. Um, but yeah, it should make for an interesting season now that we've kind of had the offseason settle down. It really seems, like I said, that this is probably going to be the Golden Knights roster uh, for the most part next season. And it's going to be a couple RFA re-signings and that might be it. So this was their big swing of the offseason was trading Max Pacioretty uh, and Dylan Coughlin for future considerations. It was an interesting big swing, to say the least. Yes, it was, because this team always has to be interesting. Yep. No matter what. They can't be quiet on one of these days, can they? No, no, they just can't help themselves, but that's okay, because it gives us more to talk about. That is true. Uh, But that's going to do it for this edition of the uh, Golden Edge podcast. Uh, as a reminder, we are sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. We are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, and Blue Wire. Uh, make sure to check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. Uh, as I mentioned, yeah, we've got stories up on the website talking about Max Pacioretty being traded, Riley Smith re-signing, uh, and of course, a lot of stuff on the team's prospect out of development camp this week going into next week. And of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast please do to this one we would very much uh, appreciate it i'm ben ghost that was matt atencio we are at the golden edge podcast talk to you guys again real soon locals know the stn sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in nevada they have convenient sign-up locations across las vegas so download the stn sports app today